0: You're listening to The First Bite, presented by Shoreview Industries, a podcast dedicated to taking you through the real stories of entrepreneurs and business owners who have navigated the world of private equity. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Brittany Upman,
1: and I'm Peter Zimmerman.
0: On this episode of The First Bite, we'll explore the topic of what value private equity can bring to a family owned business. Now, this is a question we hear quite often from entrepreneurs and business owners. They wonder, besides capital or, or money, what else is a private equity firm going to bring to the table in the partnership? Now, I'm glad you're all here today because everyone listening is going to be able to find out. During the conversation, you'll hear about an auto aftermarket parts business that went from $40 million in revenue to $1.2 billion you'll also hear about a sleepy lithography business that completely turned around in three years' time. To help tell these stories, we will hear directly from an entrepreneurial executive that was thrust into a sink or swim environment and the PE partner that was with him every step of the way. This episode will discuss common challenges that we regularly see in family-owned businesses, challenges such as people, systems, and even risk tolerance. We will also learn about the common challenges and misconceptions of private equity. Lastly, you'll hear firsthand advice and examples on how to navigate generational dynamics of family owned businesses, cultural changes, and even things to look for in a potential private equity partner. Now let's go ahead, get started, and introduce our guests. First, we have experienced operator Trey Smart. Hey, Trey.
2: Hey, Brittany. How are you this morning?
0: I'm great. Thanks. We're really looking forward to having you join the conversation. Trey has decades of experience running several family-owned businesses and sits on the board of a, a few of Shoreview's portfolio companies. So hearing the perspective from an experienced operator partnering with private equity, I think will be really interesting. Our second guest joining us today is managing partner of Shoreview, Jeff Mudge. Hey, Jeff. Good
3: morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. I know that the Shoreview-Trey relationship dates back to the 90s. Uh, What started out as a business relationship has definitely evolved since then to also include a personal relationship. Trey and Jeff, you guys could probably have an entire another podcast episode focused on your experience at each other's ranches and, and hunting, Um, But today, we'll focus it on what it was like, the business side, and partnering with private equity and scaling these family-owned businesses. So to start us off, Jeff, maybe if you could give us some background on how you first got introduced to Trey.
3: Sure. Well, as you mentioned, it goes back to the early mid-90s, and we had made an investment in a lithography business in Missouri it's a very small family business. Um, frankly, it had a lot of issues. And as things went, we had a very sleepy management team and not a lot of direction. And we needed help as an owner of that business. And that business needed a lot of help from, from, from uh, Shoreview, from the sponsor. So we uh, we tried to fix it. And frankly, we weren't very successful. And so we decided at that point we were going to sell it and just get our money and go home. So when we went to sell it, we showed it to a number of strategic investors. And uh, Trey actually was a young executive working for one of our uh, competitors. And he came in there and took a look at the business and pretty quickly assessed everything that was wrong with it and everything that we were doing wrong and pretty much told us so. And even though Trey was more, more or less, an analyst at the time, a very young man, probably in his mid thirties, we were so impressed with his ability to quickly get to the root of the problems and to, frankly, communicate as directly with us as he did um, that we turned the conversation quickly to, well, why don't you come run it for us? Why don't you, uh, instead of working for a big company, a big, you know, a little cog in a big wheel as part of a big organization? why don't you let all that behind and be a CEO and run the business and fix our problems and make some real money along the way? And that began a long journey of Trey joining Shoreview on a number of deals and helping us grow businesses, fix broken businesses, um, and solve business problems.
1: Hey, Trey, I'm curious, uh, you know, going from a, a big corporate uh, parent A company where I'm sure you had loads of resources into a a family business with, as Jeff said, you know, some issues to fix. Could you maybe talk about what that transition was like, and um, you know, along the way, what what were the steep parts of the learning curve for you as you as you made that uh, transition?
2: Happy to, Peter. I mean, uh, uh, Jeff and our relationship started uh, right at a time where um, we had grown from oh, probably. 38 million to maybe 200 million and uh, had some of the growing pains that, you know, come along with that growth. And I was chomping at the bit to run uh, one of our divisions. And so the timing of Jeff's interest in me possibly running uh, the portfolio company that shoreview owned uh, was perfect. Um, It, You know, it took a young man who was who who thought he could do it and just didn't had hadn't been given the opportunity quite yet uh, to to uh, enter into an environment where uh, I could you know I could I could you know I guess stretch my wings a little bit for lack of a better term. Um, So when I got up there, uh, you know, it's always a lot worse than it's described. (laughs) <laughs> I'll say that uh, I always, I always use the cliche that it's three times as bad as, as, as what you, is what you think it is. Um, but you know, I, 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 went in head first, dove in head first, and, and I made, I made my first mistake, and that mistake was, is that I spent two weeks, three weeks up in the front, uh, in the administrative part of the business, and accounting, and customer service, and you know, uh, sales, et cetera and talking to the the people that had been running the business uh, and trying to inquire as to why haven't you tried these different approaches towards the business. And the, every answer that I got uh, was, we've done that. We've tried it. It doesn't work. And so it was negative, negative, negative. And, um, you know, I've told this story before to to a couple of you guys, but you know i went home and you know I, I i got a little bit of a scolding from my spouse saying well you've moved us up here to st louis so you need to figure out what it is you know what it is you need to do because we're not going back so i took and, that, and that's the soft side of it um i went back and i spent the next week in the back uh talking to the people that actually got the product out of the door built the product printed the product et cetera, responsible for doing the, the, the hands-on work. And what I found is a company that was starving for leadership. Um, and when I identified that, I knew, I knew I had, you know, I knew I had a real potential upside in the business to, to capitalize on. And so what I spent the, you know, I started looking and talking to those people and, you know, started building a strategy And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the company at the time was they were overstaffed. uh, And the reason they were overstaffed uh, is because they had, you know, they had their their sales have been declining over a number of years. Uh, So their their overhead was too high. Um, They had gotten a little sleepy in terms of uh, not adjusting uh, their product line to the demand of the of the of the market. So we made some changes there as well. And then I went out and hired some people uh, to help me that were a little more experienced to help me in a couple of the key areas in the business uh, operationally, uh, as well as financially. Uh, they were they were they had some weaknesses from the systems perspective. They had some weaknesses from the accounting perspective uh, and tracking costs and so forth. And you know, three years into it, uh, we turned the business around, and uh, it was it, it did a it did a world of good for my confidence as well. So. Probably the best way to characterize it is is it, it took a young man, young entrepreneur, thrust him into an environment, sink or swim, um, and you know, I got to essentially run my own business, so to speak, without the liability monkey in my pocket.
1: Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's great. And sounds like it was uh, a really um, transformative experience. Uh, I'm curious, as you you look back uh, on, say, that three-year period, uh, were there any pivotal moments where, you you know, as you were putting things in place, you saw things just click uh, and and sort of stair-step upwards, or, you know, any kind of key lessons that you learned over that period of time that you've taken with you uh, to, to, you know, to later experiences?
2: Absolutely. Um, Probably... Uh, a couple of them that, that really stand out. One of them is is that um, the company, uh, due to the sleeping management and, you know, lack of communication uh, from, you know, from the management to the employees, uh, there was a lack of respect there and uh, from back to front and then from front to back as well. And what I started doing is communicating. It's a three-shift operation, union-based operation um and i started sharing with them you know the good the bad and the ugly each month on all three shifts and gave them an opportunity to ask me questions uh so it's really you know more of a more of a you know they get to hear how they're doing and you know they get rewarded for it and you know they also get to hear you know some of the some of the bad stuff too and we figured out ways to strategically become part of the solution. And, and they were involved in those solutions. Um, the other thing that, you know, is interesting is, is that, you know, people make things happen. And, you know, you, you know, what I tried to do is be the hardest worker in the building. And that was something that, uh, that I think the employee base respected. They hadn't seen that before. Uh, whether I was, it was on the first, second or third shift, you know, my face was in there quite a bit and it was you know, oftentimes, you know, unannounced. So they never knew when I was going to come in. But you know, the the, the interesting thing about it, probably my biggest challenge when I got there was the union steward was, you know, just real hardcore against changing, you know, some of the things that needed to be changed because we had some people, you know, and, and our butts were in the wrong seat, so to speak, and and skill sets weren't in the right, weren't in the right spots and I needed to move some people around based on skill and ability and they were going to fight me on it. But over, over time we got that fixed. And, you know, the, that that union stirred today uh, and it's almost 20 years later, uh, sends gifts to my children at every one of their birthdays now. So she's actually almost become a, uh, become a, 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 a grandmother. So to speak, to both of my kids, and uh, it's just a testament that that you know the respect worked both both ways. Uh, The other thing that I will tell you is is that the company didn't have much of a relationship at the time with uh, their customers. And one of the things that that I think a CEO and a president needs to do, a leader of a business needs to do, is get out and make sure that they understand what their customers need, Um, and. They, you know, I, I, set out to split my time between the business itself and with the customer base. So they under, so I had a clear understanding of what they needed and, and how we were perceived in the marketplace. And, and so I could make the changes and, and, from the flexibility standpoint to meet those needs.
1: Yeah. What, what a testament, uh, still getting gifts to this day. That's, that's amazing. Um, I guess one, one follow-up question for you there, Trey, uh, I, I'm sure you know I, I know that the story ends uh, with a with a happy ending and and you, you did some remarkable things with that business. But I'm sure, you know, as as you alluded to, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a straight up into the right uh, uh, over that th- three year period. how How did you, as, as you were dealing with challenges and as you were um, you know tackling some of the issues in the business? How did you handle communication with the Shoreview guys that, you know, Jeff and, and his colleagues, um, you know, uh, to, to talk about those things and, you know, manage expectations and, um, you know, kind of, uh, you had a partner in the deal. And, and so, uh, you know, how did you, how did you manage that along the way?
2: What I would tell you is Peter is, is it, it was hands off, uh, but they were always there when I needed them. I mean, I obviously I was a young man that had never sat at that particular time in a CEO chair. And, you know, I wanted to bounce things off of them when I did need resources. And when I did need resources, they were there. I mean, just to give you one example, uh, our business was changing at the time uh, from uh, a, 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 a sheet bed environment to more of a flexo environment. And we needed to make an investment. And um, we figured out a way to do that that was cost effective. uh, And we needed to do it in in a way that because we we went around looking for an acquisition target and we couldn't find one that really fit the mold. So uh, we, we developed a greenfield plan, put it down in the heart of where our customer base was. And, you know, Shoreview got behind us. And, you know, that, that business today, believe it or not, is larger than the legacy businesses, uh, the, le- the, the legacy operation is. So that was something that we were able to see, you know, 15 or 20 years ago that actually came true. And Shoreview got behind it from a, from a, uh, from a resource perspective, both monetarily and with resources to help us accomplish that.
0: That's super interesting. And, you know, one thing to think about is also from Shoreview's perspective, because, you know, Trey, you're noticing these challenges early on with these family businesses. Jeff, curious from your side, having invested in and partnered with several family businesses over the years, what are some of the common challenges that you've seen come up?
3: I would say you've, you've heard a lot of them already discussed on this one case study, mm-hmm. but the three most common people systems. And in our case, because we specifically invest in you know, pre- pretty much only invest in family owned businesses that are going through family transitions. In addition to seeing people in systems issues, we see risk tolerance issues. And I'll start there. I mean, a lot of the businesses that we look to partner with have been founded, you know, post-World War II. Um, and the the young families that started those businesses aren't young anymore. And, uh and the the activities and the drive that they had when they started those businesses and grew those businesses created a ton of wealth for those families, typically. Um, and then things kind of changed, frankly. A lot of times the kids become playboy idiots, right? And the parents become a little bit more risk averse. And that is typically the point when Shoreview is getting involved with these companies. And so... Uh, as I said, people systems and risk tolerance. So often what we see, Brittany, um, there's a lot of good people in these businesses, but as Trey sort of talked about, sometimes too many people in the wrong places and not enough of the right people in the right places. And so we work with the families, we work with the managers, we work with the executives to solve those problems. In the case of this lithography situation we were talking about earlier, I mean, it was literally the CEO, the key leadership position, was wanting. And we were able to solve that problem. Um, That isn't always the problem. The problem is often in R&D. It's sometimes in sales, marketing. Uh, On the system side of the business, very, very often when we step into these commercial and industrial businesses, we find that the, the business and the systems infrastructure are very much stuck in the 1980s. Um, and so that's a problem that we have to solve. We have a lot of experience, a lot of resources to draw from. Uh, Trey and I deal with it on almost every deal that we work on together today. Uh, it's one of the first places we have to start um, is focusing on systems infrastructure and bringing those uh, to today's standards. And on the risk aversion side, I mean, Trey consider and tell you story after story after story like we've been talking about. But... The way Shoreview approaches these situations is you've got a great family business, very profitable, created a lot of wealth for the family. Um, our obligation, our role is to step in and risk our capital and risk our managers and risk our uh, our own opinions and take that business to get it to the next level. Get it growing, find it the energy that it had when it was a startup um, and bring that Um, bring that growth trend and bring that, um, that philosophy of we're going to do what's right. We're not going to do it the way it's always been done necessarily, but we're going to do it the right way. Just bring that mentality and energy to the deals.
1: Thanks, Jeff. That, 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 you know, Trey, I'm curious as you listen to, to Jeff's answer there and, and think about your own experiences yeah, Jeff was talking a lot about some of the areas that that bringing on an outside investor, like a private equity firm, can help a, a family business address. But you know, maybe flipping that on its head, what are you? What would you say in terms of the, the most common misconceptions that you've heard about what you know private equity does? Um, yeah, we heard about it, what it does do, but what do people have a have, have a kind of a misconception about?
2: It's usually the same misconception, and that is, is that, uh, that somewhere, somewhere along the line, uh, someone's told them or told the 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 proprietor, the entrepreneur, that don't sell to private equity because you know they'll send a whole team of people in there and and just break down your business. Um, that's certainly not the experience that I had, and I can't tell you time and time again that you know I would tell people. Uh, on my team, that look, or, or even customers who would come and say, "Well, what does it mean? Are are, are you are you leaving? Uh, no, I'm still a I'm a shareholder, and I'm I'm staying in the business, and I'm gonna, you know, I've got a five year deal now. I'm not going anywhere. Nothing's gonna change. Uh, you just have to tell that story. I would. I used to. I'd characterize it as um, a two business card approach. Uh, one business card. Would be uh, for the little guys who the smaller base, mid-sized customers that were worried that you know Trey wasn't Trey and team were not going to be running the business anymore, and the story there with that business card, which was true, uh, that you know we're not going anywhere, things are going to be status quo. Uh, you know, look at it as a bank, so to speak. They're funding us now, and. You know, but I'm running the business and we're going to move forward just like we always have and be stronger than we ever have. The other other business card in the left pocket was for the big guys, the customers that we hadn't ever got to do business with before because they thought we were too small or not resource backed uh, with enough horsepower to handle their business. And that would, you know, pull the envelope or the business card out of card number two and go, wait a minute. Let me, let me tell you about our new partners. And, and, you know, it was funny how many doors that business card opened. So, um, to me, it's more about, it's, it's less about what private equity does or doesn't do. And it's more about, um, picking your right private equity partner that, you know, you can work with.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Trey. That, that's, uh, that's really interesting perspective. Um, I think it makes sense. Let's move on to uh, the next chapter of the story uh, between Shoreview and Trey. Uh, Jeff, can you can you talk a little bit about BBB and just describe that business and you know what you saw there and and what led you to call Trey to get involved in that situation?
3: Sure. Yeah. So in this case, BBB was also a family-owned business. It's down in Alabama, very commercial industrial business. They uh, it, uh, they're in the auto aftermarket parts business at the time. It was pretty much starters and alternators were the two product lines, um, midsize, lower middle market business, 50 to 75 million in revenue, a consolidator. Uh, we were, uh, we were making a lot of small acquisitions. Uh, and that is frankly why the family came to us initially was they were uh, balance sheet constrained. They were capital constrained. They needed to bring in a partner to execute their strategy. Uh, There was some generational issues going on there. The father was still running the business. He had two sons in the business with different capacities and different talents. Um, But many of the things that I had talked about earlier in terms of kind of holes in the business were there. It needed some people in the right places. It needed some systems. um, And it needed to... uh, look at its business model a little bit in terms of risk tolerance uh, and risk taking. So all of the things that I mentioned before were present in this deal as well. Um, In this case, it's a complicated business and it's a complicated family situation. So when Shoreview invested in it, the family remained invested in the business as well, which is typical. Um, The father continued to run the business. The sons continued in their roles. Um, But there was some dysfunction there, and there was definitely a need for uh, more connectivity between some of the departments, as well as, frankly, between the owners, um, Shoreview and the family. And so I gave Trey a call, and I said, hey, how does this sound, Trey? I'm going to move you to Alabama now, and I'm going to stick you between a father and his son's. And I'm not exactly sure what we'll call that role, but uh, how, how would you like to take this one on? Uh, a little bit different in, in kind than the business in St. Louis because uh, the business in St. Louis was frankly broken. This business was not broken. This business was um, growing and as I mentioned, consolidating and complex, meaning we had operations internationally Um, specifically quite a bit of manufacturing in Mexico at the time, Um, and just uh, a large, complicated balance sheet. So it was a very different problem uh, to solve, and I knew that that would pique Trey's interest. Um, But in this particular case, what the company didn't need at the time was a CEO. What they needed was um, an executive to come in on the administrative side of the business and help them get organized and help them get focused on strategic initiatives, and and they needed a little bit of referee inside the family to help resolve some family issues that were creeping into the business, which is you know fairly typical for, for some of our situations.
0: So once you were able to get Trey on board and, and Trey coming in as an outsider. How are you able to play that referee role that Jeff described and, and come in, like I said, as an outsider into this business and, and navigate some of those issues that Jeff mentioned?
2: Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a matter of, first of all, not criticizing what, what they had accomplished to date. Um, it's, it's really important that they felt like you respected what they had done and then selling to them. All the reasons, all the right reasons, why we needed to build an infrastructure to double and triple the size of the business, and you know, my as Jeff pointed out, they didn't, they really needed, you know, executive leadership in a number of different areas. Uh, one of them was financial. The systems was was a mess. Um, the inventory management and logistic efficiencies, uh, and their footprint uh, was just not sufficient. Uh, they had kind of outgrown all of those areas. So we had a lot of work to do. And so we, you know, we sat down and prioritized some of those, uh, some of those areas and, you know, we were off to the races, uh, there, you know, fortunately my experience on the acquisition side really helped them as well from a growth modeling perspective, because, You know, it was a very segmented business as well. So we could we had a lot of competitors that were in our space that uh, were good values that fit that would fit in our model uh, post deal. Uh, And so we were able to we were able to grow significantly uh, acquisitively all the while addressing some of the weak areas in our business in terms of infrastructure. you know, it, it, it to your point, it wasn't easy being sandwiched between you know mm-hmm. two brothers or sons and their and their dad, uh, but fortunately, uh, over time and working shoulder to shoulder with these guys, uh, believe it or not, you know everyone recognized who who's who had the strengths in specific areas and who had the weaknesses in specific areas, and we were all working towards a common goal. And, you know, that common goal was to grow the business. And, um, you know, today, that company, you know, the, that little $40, $50 million business that uh, Jeff described at the onset of uh, this particular stage is now a $1.2 billion business. So uh, it, it was it was quite a ride. And, and it was one that, you know, we had a lot of flexibility during uh, those times when we were fixing a lot of the broken areas and building the infrastructure, because, you know, we were, we, we weren't, you know, we were Shoreview of you allowed us the resources and allowed us the flexibility to be able to uh, make the changes that we needed to make to, 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 to take the, you know, take the next leap to the next level.
1: That's great. Um, I mean, I, I know you obviously had a, a ton of success and, um, yeah, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, every opportunity looks like a slam dunk. But I'm sure at the time, you know, there were things you were wrestling with. As you think back to that, to, to those earlier periods with with BBB, how did as you were as you were uh, developing these opportunities and coming up with them, uh, these ideas? How did what what role did private equity play? You know, around the board table, uh, bringing resources to the table uh versus you know what what did the management team drive ahead on its own
2: well i mean uh obviously when we you know a couple of different ways to look at that i mean I, obviously the resource standpoint when you know in in that particular business it, you know you when the opportunity comes along you need to jump on it because uh it was it was very very competitive and without the resources from a financial standpoint that that that, that bought we would 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 not have had the luxury of executing on some of those acquisitions. In addition to that, I mean, there were times that we ran across challenges that um, maybe other CEOs within their portfolio companies, uh, Shoreview's portfolio companies, had experience with, and they would refer us to them, and we would have you know strate- st- strategy conversations relative to you know how they handled that particular challenge. Um, but you know, along the way. I would I would say financial support. Uh, there were even times uh, that when we would tackle, as I made reference to earlier, a customer larger than what we had previously tackled, as we were going up, you know, our growth ladder. Uh, there were times where we were to even invite a Shoreview partner into the room to meet with us, uh, to so that they could hear our customer could hear the Shoreview story as well and hear it from them rather than just hearing it from us. So, uh, you know, it, it, it came from a lot of different angles, Peter. Uh, but I mean, again, it's back to really, I mean, Shoreview looked to us to run the businesses and come to them with ideas. And then we would discuss together how we could effectively execute on those.
1: Yeah, it's great. And, and, you know, Trey, I know given the success that BBB's had, uh, you know, obviously Shoreview ultimately uh, exited its stake. And and uh, in this case, another private equity firm came in uh, to, to our shoes. And I think at this point, you know, BBB's has, uh, has had four or five different ever larger private equity owners as, as the business has grown and, and more capital has been needed to support that growth strategy. As you you know look back on your your uh, experience and run with that company uh, and experiences with with different private equity firms, would you mind maybe taking a step back and just compare and contrast the, d- the different types and styles of firms and and just you know maybe talk about some of the pros and cons of, of each approach? Happy to.
2: Uh, I mean I, I, again, I mean I think as a company goes through its various stages of growth, um, you know, flexibility gets replaced with process. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that all of the things that you did to grow the business aren't necessarily the things that you need to do to run it when you get it to a different level, a much larger level, because, um, you got, if you, if you continue to, to, to dwell on what you've done in the past, what tends to happen is, is that while you get the job done, you are much less efficient getting to the finish line. Um, relative to, to my experiences with Shoreview, you know, they're in this sweet spot of a you know, mid-sized business where you can have a lot of flexibility. You can make decisions quickly. Uh, you can get Schwabier on the phone and and get their support for something very quickly. As you get bigger, my personal experience was, uh, particularly with the 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 last purchaser that I was involved with, is they were they were even involved in our day to day business, um, and you know that's that's just a change in or a difference in approach, and um, sometimes that's necessary. Uh, I tended to favor the flexibility. Uh, I liked the environment to where, as I said before, I got to run my own business, uh, essentially for Shoreview, Uh, but I also was an owner and, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, when you're, when you've got quote unquote skin in the game, uh, obviously you're going to, you're going to work very, very hard for it. And, I felt like the flexibility to rally the troop at that size of a business was much more so than when you get bigger and, you know, quote unquote, more bureaucratic, I guess, Peter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand that. And, and, you know, we often think that there's different approaches and those different approaches, uh, can make sense for different, different styles of business owner and different life stages of the company. And, and so I think it's good to just get your perspective there. I, I guess, uh, If if you put yourself in the shoes of maybe a business owner, who's at that initial conversation uh, where they're thinking about bringing on a financial partner, uh, but they've never done it before, as you know, drawing on all of the experiences that you've had, what would you say are the, you know, the most important questions that they should ask uh, a prospective partner uh, as they go through their own process?
2: Well, I mean, I obviously something that I'm sure you hear a lot is is that you know these entrepreneurs are are first and foremost either concerned about uh, family members that they have in the business or employees that they've had in the business for long periods of time. They're concerned about uh, making sure that they're treated fairly. Uh, they 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 obviously have a great deal of concern about the legacy of of, of their company name and what they've achieved to date, uh, they don't want to see that die. Um, and it's, it's, it's really important to them that, that they're comfortable that that's something that is going to be built upon and not broken down. So, I mean, what I tell people uh, when they ask me that question is, is that, look, if you're not comfortable with these guys now, when you're talking to them, you're darn sure not going to be comfortable. When you're working with them and you're struggling with issues, because at some point you're going to hit the gravel road and you're going to have to work together. If you don't feel like you can work with them now during the negotiation phase, it's going to be almost impossible to do it when it gets when that when when it you know you hit a hit a rainy day, so to speak. So, you know, I I think that these these entrepreneurs. Are, have enough intuition to know who they can and can't work with and kind of the, the character of the people that they work that, that, that they're going into a partnership with
0: Trey that that's great advice for our listeners who are potentially considering partnering with private equity and also to to leave our listeners with some some other options and advice Jeff, Are there any key questions that you think are best for these families, these entrepreneurs when considering partnering with private equity?
3: I think the key questions should be asked of themselves uh, first, meaning what do they really want? What do they want to do and why? Um, A lot of the problems that need solving that we've been talking about, um, the value that we like to bring to these family businesses Frankly, these entrepreneurs know those problems exist. They know them. They've thought about them. Um, and they're often, they're often challenging, right? And so we encourage these families to remain involved with their businesses and link arms with us, solve those critical issues, and get back to taking appropriate risk and get back to growing uh, the way they did 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? That's what we're about. Um, and, uh, and so first, I think they got to ask themselves, what is it they want to do? Uh, what is it that they want for themselves, their family, their employees, their customers, their factories? Um, have a good sense in your own mind as to really what you want to accomplish. And then when it's time to go talk to private equity, if, that's, uh, if that is what you think is in your interest, to bring in resources and bring in capital to help your business get to that next level, you know, it's the kind of stuff Trey was talking about. You, you First and foremost, you need to, if you're going to s- remain involved with the business and you care about your employees and you care about your customers, care about your vendors, you need to be looking at the people on the other side of that table very carefully. You need to make sure that culturally you're aligned um, in that uh And that you feel like whether you're working with them or you're handing your management team over to them to work with them, that they're people that you can trust and that they're people that you can work with and that they've got strong integrity uh, and that they're going to be relied upon to make the right call in a tough situation.
0: I think that's great. Trust and, and integrity, definitely things that are important when considering a partner. Trey and Jeff, we really appreciate the time today and the conversation. think that this will be really valuable for a lot of our listeners.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Thanks, all.
0: To our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We look forward to catching up next time. Until then.
1: Thank you for listening to The First Bite, presented by Shoreview Industries. We hope you enjoyed the show. To learn more about Shoreview or to get in touch, please go to our website at www.shoreview.com.